Okay, cool. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, introduce the show, and then I'll introduce you, and then you can tell everyone a little bit about yourself, and uh, we'll get into the topic. Is that cool? Let's do it. All right. Hey, guys, it's Cream, a.k.a. Miss Cream of the Crop, and this is Conversations with Cream. I'm so excited because I have Hugh Jackson as my guest, and I really want to say my guest co-host because Hugh um, also hosts um, another show. He does a lot of things in podcasting, media. Listen, I can't do his um, bio justice. So I'm going to go ahead and have him introduce himself because you guys think that I have a million jobs. You guys think that I have a million titles. I think Q has two million jobs and two million titles. So <laughs> I am going to let him introduce himself to you guys and then we'll get right into our topic. All right. Well, I appreciate it. So, guys, my name is Q Jackson. I am the founder of Quintessential Branding, which is a branding and PR firm that I started here in Atlanta about eight or nine years ago. I'm also the co-host of a radio show. It's Team Marie Radio Show with Team Q. Um, also do quite a few other things in media. I'm an editor of a magazine as well as a food blogger, a child of God, an at-home cook, an in-the-shower singer, you know, all those good things. So those are just a few of the things that I do. Yes, those are just 20 of his 2 million jobs. I told you guys that um, if you guys thought that I was a hard worker or that I am a hard worker, I think Q is an even harder worker. I like to sit around myself with people like him um, because I feel like when you surround yourself with amazing – first of all, you have to surround yourself with people with good vibes. Let's just start there, okay? You have to surround yourself with people who have good vibes people who show love to other people and people that are go-getters because they will encourage you to stay on your A-game. They will also encourage you to continue to spread positive vibes and love. So I'm just happy to be in the company of Mr. Q. Jackson. <laughs> appreciate it. And it's been nothing but a pleasure since the day I met you. Shout out to Cleveland. Hey, Cleveland. Hey. <laughs> See, and Q's from Jackson as well. So for those of you guys that are either listening or watching, we are proof that good things do come out of Cleveland, okay? Yes. Cleveland can produce amazing people and amazing products. Absolutely. So we're going to put that out there. So today's topic is sexuality in the black community. And I feel like the 30 minutes that we're going to have today isn't long enough for this very heavy topic. But um, Q posed a question on Facebook, and he asked, were black women afraid to date bisexual men? And I said, this is, this is more than a Facebook answer. This, is, this has to be a podcast. He said, let's do it. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. I know that 30 minutes will not give us enough time to cover all the things that need to be covered, but hopefully we will at least give enough on this topic that will spark you guys to comment and give us um, your insight on this, and hopefully it will spark other people to talk about this on their platforms as well. So, Absolutely. Q, let, let everyone know why you decided to post this question on Facebook. Okay, so as we know, being black, how can I put this? It's like certain topics are oftentimes off-limits. Sexuality is a major thing. As we know, religion at times is a topic that, yes. you know, we can't discuss. So I was having a conversation with a friend um, a few weeks ago, and I saw, because I saw something online that said something about um, bisexual phobia. Um, you know, people don't really think that men can be bisexual. And if men are bisexual, then, of course, they're so, oh, well, no, you know, that means you're just gay. no. I can like men, I could like women. Just like it's more acceptable, it seems like it's more acceptable for women to be bisexual than men. So we had a conversation on that. So fast forward a few weeks later, we were having a conversation again. And I'm like, it, it really seems as if black women, from my experience, have issues dating men that are bisexual because me, I am a bisexual male. Yes, guys. Being bisexual and black is okay. <laughs> so, okay, wait, stop right there. I didn't know that about you, but 
I am someone who is very, um, I mind my business mm-hmm. when it comes to people's sex lives, their relationships, their religion, political views. I don't even argue with people about who their favorite sports team is. <laughs> I'm more so, you know, and I got in trouble. I grew up in a very religious household. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a non-denominational uh church, we couldn't do anything. We couldn't wear pants. We couldn't wear lip gloss. We couldn't cut our hair. We couldn't do anything. We didn't have a TV. It was, I'm not going to lie, like I, I basically grew up in a cult. But anyway, this is not about that. That's another topic. Like, seriously, I really want to do something on that. But but, um, but my mother was always told, you need to watch her because she, basically they made my mom feel like I needed to be watched because I was more accepting of people. Yeah. I have always been, ever since I was a kid, I have always been, you're you, I'm me, as long as, like I said in the beginning, you have good vibes, I have good vibes, you treat people with love and kindness, we can be cool. I don't care what you do, as long as you're not hurting anyone, as long as you're not doing things to children that you shouldn't be doing things to, and as long as you're not doing things to our elders that you shouldn't be doing things to, I don't care what you do at home, and as long as it's consensual. I don't care what people do at home. I don't care what team you root for, (laughs) because I like who I like. I I, I love all my Cleveland teams. I don't really care who you vote for as long as you don't push those political views that may go against what I'm for on me in a negative way. Yeah, I don't care. That's how I am. You don't vote for Trump. But that's another topic for another day. So Exactly. So I did not know that about you. And I would never I would never ask you that. But if you share that with me, you share it with me. So I didn't right. know that about you. <laughs> like I'm an open book when it comes to those sort of things because I was raised in you know, for the most part, the traditional household, you know, the mother, the father, the, you know, you do as I say type thing, you know, with the religion and things like that. But one thing I appreciate about my parents is they all, my parents, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, they always shared the real with us because they would rather us learn about the world from them than for us to go out here and do it wrong. Although they did allow Mm -hmm. us to get out here and you know, experience life for ourselves. You know, they wanted to share, you know, truth with us, and I appreciated that. Um, but for me, you know, it definitely was hard trying to discover my sexuality, and then I'm, you know, battling inside myself. But then I have my mind is like, I wonder what my mother is going to think. I wonder what my father is going to think. I wonder what all these people are going to think. So I'm pushing. Well, then- let me ask you this. Sorry to tell you, but I want to ask you this. That battle, I, I, I do know from just your post and being around you that you are a man of God. You, you, you are really big in your faith. Did that play a part in your battle? Because you said your parents were open. And I, I'm very grateful to have a family like that, too. We were raised to be, we were raised to be whoever we are. Right. Even though, and that was something that, you know, was not, that my mom had, uh, you know, they were always fussing at her for it. They were like, Sister Cynthia, you're always letting your kids be themselves. And she's just like, that's how I was raised. I know we go to this church, but I would rather my kids be who they're supposed to be. So for you, seeing that you have parents who allowed you guys to be who you are, they raised you to embrace yourself, where did that confusion come from? No, they didn't. Oh, okay. We had conversations about certain things in life. But, of course, the topic of sexuality, it was more so of, you know, you can be whoever you want to be as long as you. (laughs) Is that (laughs) For a while after I told my mother, she was like, oh, it's just a phase. I'm like, my, that was five years ago that I told you. It's not a phase, baby. This This is who I am. And, you know, what I appreciate is they allow us, you know, me, my sister, my brothers, they allowed us to teach them because they learned from their parents. Um, we learned from our parents, but we're a whole new generation. So there are a lot of things that we're experiencing that you guys never experienced. So they were able to allow us 
to like pour back into them, which I appreciate. And even yes. of mental health in our community, it was something that was not talked about years ago. You know, so that was something that you know the family has been you know more open about. But no, it was not easy at all because me, okay. well, I became very sexually active at a young age. Um, and I enjoyed it. I absolutely did. My first was at 12 with a female. Um, and, you know, Wait a minute. Why in the world were you being nasty at 12? Well, you know what? Because you know how you had those cousins and y'all sneak down in the basement while your yes. family is upstairs and you're watching Cinemax and HBO after dark and stuff like that. And I'm just like, hmm. I've always been the type of person if I wanted to try something, I'm going to think about it and I'm going to try it. And I okay. did at 12, you know, the particular young lady that I had my encounter with, um, you know, it was, a, of course, a consenting thing. We were about the same age. We were the same age. And, you know, it lasted for a while. Um, moved for, you know, 16, 17 years old. Now I'm in high school, and I'm thinking about things a lot more. I'm noticing that there's another Okay, so we're back, guys, after technical difficulties, after technical difficulties. I don't know what happened. Um, everything was going great. <laughs> I think the old Negro spirits didn't want us to record this, but we're going to get this they out did. today. I think that's what it is. They're like, listen, you guys are not about to put out this. You're not, you're not going to enlighten our people about things that they're free to do. We're going to mess everything up today because everything was going well during my radio show, and then I get ready to do this with you and stuff is just going haywire. So um, let's just take it back to, um, so in high school is when you realize that you started liking the opposite sex or these feelings just start coming a little bit stronger. And so let's just take it from there. And then I'll give you what I was saying as far as why I think that black women may be hesitant about dating a bisexual man. So let's just start there. Okay, cool. So, yes, in high school is when I started to, those feelings started to become stronger, and I started to, you know, be a little more inquisitive about, you know, the the guy-on-guy type of relationship. Um, Because of what I felt and because of who I felt I would disappoint, because one thing I would say is although my parents were accepting, you know, there still was a lot of pressure. You know, you have, I had three older brothers, and, you know, they were all very masculine. You know, I was already the brother that didn't play sports and was into education, and, you know, I dressed a little differently and things like that. Um, So, you know, I felt like I already had that sort of pressure. Then to bring, you know, the fact that I'm interested in guys, you know, I just felt like that would have been like the end of the world. Um, So Mm -hmm. toward the end of high school is when I started to, experiment, I would say, you know, just to see, you know, if I'd like it. You know, that's when I had my, my first experience. And it was something that I enjoyed. Um, a lot of the friends that I started to hang around, you know, they were, I guess, exploring their different sides of life as well. You know, so mm-hmm. I was able to talk to them about a lot of things. And, you know, that side made me feel comfortable. When I was in high school and, you know, beginning of college and things like that. Like, I actually had to kind of sneak and and hide this other side of who I was. Truth be told, after 8 o'clock, that's when I became the other me because, you know, that's when my parents were winding down to go to sleep. You know, I remember on multiple occasions my mother asked me, where are you going at 8 or 9 o'clock? I'm like, oh, oh my, yeah, I'm going to the gas station. You know, that that was my go-to answer, even though my mother knew that that was some bull. But, you know, <laughs> it got me out of the house, and I went and did what I did. Um, it wasn't really until I moved to Atlanta in 2007, you know, that I became more comfortable because I was in a new place. I didn't have to necessarily hide who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I started to accept me more when I moved mm-hmm. here. Um, because it wasn't about me being gay or straight. It was about me being who I was. And I was around, you know, I guess creative people who were more comfortable 
with who they were, whether it be sexuality, whether it be, you know, their creativity or whatever it was, they were more accepting of that. And that put me in a position to accept myself more. Um, So around the time I was 22 or 23 is when I had the conversation with my mother. I remember it like it was yesterday. I had flown up to Cleveland to hang out Mm -hmm. with them for a while. Um, And as I was leaving, my mother was on the porch, and she asked the question. And she asked, are you gay? And I looked at her, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Like, is this a trick question? And I right. said, yes. And, you know, it was just like, okay. And and that is what it was. You know, it was real awkward to me. But two weeks later, she <laughs> she called me. She was like, so remember that question I asked you, you know, a couple weeks ago? Like, are you serious? You know, and, and from there, the conversation was had. You know, she didn't understand it. And what I learned is, you know, you, you have to teach your parents, you you know, mm-hmm. you allow them to teach you, but you got to teach them. But, of course, they have to be willing to learn. You know, at yeah. the end of the day, Mom, yes, I may like guys as well as girls, um, but I'm still your son. I'm still the, the same guy that, you know, you birthed. I'm still the mm-hmm. same guy that you raised. And another thing that I feel, we didn't necessarily talk about this, but from having conversations with, other friends of mine who had that same conversation with their mother or father or whatever it was, parents oftentimes feel as if they've done something wrong. That's their mm-hmm. first go-to. Did I do something wrong or did, yeah. people, did somebody touch you? No, Mom. That, now, nobody that's what I was going to say. I think um, – but go ahead because I, I, that was going to be a part of – that was a part of my response to um, – my reason, one of the reasons that I think black women are afraid to date bisexual men, but go ahead. I'll, I'll get there when you're done. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, like, for me, no, I didn't feel as if my parents did me wrong growing up. Mm-hmm. I don't, I was not touched by an uncle or cousin or things like that. You know, sorry to the people out there who were, but, you know, I wasn't one of those people who was taught, um, touched by someone growing up, this was something that was just in me. You know, it wasn't a choice that I made. You know, mm-hmm. it was something it, just like, you know, you, you um, decide that you want to do this or decide you want to do that, or creativity, should I say, is a part of you, or mm-hmm. this is a part of you. You know, being, liking who you like is a part of you. And for me yeah. right now, it's not about being gay or straight. It's about who is the best person for me right now who who right. matches where I'm at? Because if there's a guy out there that wants to build and do this and do that and he's the right one, then we in it together. If there's a woman out there who understands who I am, appreciates who I am, and wants to build and go from there, then guess what? She's the right one at that time. So I don't necessarily discriminate when it comes to that, but, you know, I, I've, at the age of 33, I've accepted myself more, even though right. the world necessarily doesn't. And I think that, first of all, I just want to commend you for knowing who you are and living your authentic life and being okay with being yourself at an early age and I'm pretty sure it didn't happen overnight. I'm pretty sure it wasn't a really easy thing, but it happened. You accepted it, and you figured out how to deal with it in your own way. So I just want to commend you on that because I know that um, I'm very close to the LGBT community to the point where a lot of people think that, I, that I'm a part of it, and it doesn't bother me. You know how some people just they have an issue with someone thinking that they're gay. I, a lot of people, though, have, a lot of people, have suspected that I was gay forever. And it's just because I'm very accepting of people and I have right. always had people on my team or clients that were a part of the LGBT community and um, it's just, it just is what it is. And <laughs> another young lady that I'm really cool with, she's like, it's just this aura that you have about yourself. She's like, and it just really makes it 
She's like, it just makes you real attractive to us girls over here. So we like hanging out with you. <laughs> so I said, hey, it is what it, you know, I've always said that, though, like, um, if you find someone, like you said, that matches you and the goals that you have in life and they make you feel loved and they make you feel amazing, I don't have an issue with loving whomever loved me, whatever. Exactly. That's just how I feel. Um, I've never dated a lady, but I'm not opposed to dating a lady. And I don't know, this is the first time I'm saying this out loud, but I've never been opposed to ladies. Um, But then again, I was that child that our church warned my mom about. They told my mom she's way too accepting. She's way... And I said, but that's made me one of the happiest kids that go to our church. (laughs) Um, It it has, like, and I've always been creative. My family's very creative, and my family has always been um, supportive of me being a creative person. And that's one of the reasons that it made me so easy to be a go-getter because whatever I wanted to do or be as a kid, my family was like, oh, okay, you want to play cello? Cool. We'll buy you a cello, we'll put you in classes, and then you can go over here. We'll push you in performing art school. So anything that I wanted to pursue or say that I thought I was interested in as a kid, my family allowed me to explore those options. And the same with my sister and brother. And I've always just been that, like I said earlier, that kid or that child that just accepted people for who they are. Um, but um, and, and from from my experience being around people, there are some people that aren't that weren't and still aren't able to share how they feel about their sexuality with their parents, um, and they still have to live as if that's not a part of their life. And I know that it's very stressful for them, so that's why I'm saying that I'm just grateful and and happy to hear that you don't have to be one of those people that can't share your life with your family or have to pretend like it's not a part of your life, even though you know they know they know, and they know that they know they know, but everyone's pretending (laughs) as if they don't know. That has to be one of the hardest lives to to live. Um, But I think what happens with black people, um, some of us, we aren't raised a lot of I do, I've been doing this for a really long time. Let's just put that out there. I've been doing this for a really long time. I've had conversations with a lot of people. And for the most part, it's sad, but a lot of the black community, we have group think. We all think alike. We all think that we're supposed to think alike. We all think that we're supposed to have the same feelings. We all think that we're all supposed to fight the same fight. And a lot of us will have a conversation and say, you know how it is growing up. You know how it is in the black family. You know how you couldn't be this as a black person. And some of us are like, nah, that wasn't like, that wasn't my household. Um, and when it comes to sexuality, I think that's what that's what happens with the black community. It's kind of like you said earlier. There's certain things that you just don't talk about. And you grow up understanding that sexuality is the topic that you just don't talk about. Boys like girls, girls like boys, you grow up and you have kids, you get married, and that's it. There's no other options out there. That's it. Right. There aren't any other options. Don't think about any other options. And if you so happen to think that other options are for you, then everyone thinks that there's no way in the world that you were not touched by someone as a kid. Because if you weren't touched by someone as a kid, why do you even why were you even exploring these other options over here? Because that's the only way that you could possibly think that think that you could be gay. That's the only option. Someone touched you, and that's why you're gay. Not no, they don't think that this could possibly be your. This is this is you. This is how you were. This is this is how you were born. This is how you feel. No one touched you in a negative way. This is just me, period. I don't know why they can't accept that, um, but I think it has a lot to do with religion. I also think it has a lot to do with the fact that black people don't talk about things in a proper way. We like to, um, I call them 
real-life Facebook status updates. We like to share headlines, but don't actually click on the link and read the article. Um, no, that's <laughs> You know, and that's what we do in our real life. You know, it, like I said, we like to say people are gay because someone touched them, but we don't like to actually click on the link and read the article where the person actually says, nope, this is this is how I am. No one touched me. This is these are the feelings that I have, and there's nothing that you can do about it. The other side yeah. of it is, if you love God, there's no way you could be gay because being gay and God don't go together. So now you're going to hell. And if you want to go to heaven, you got to get yourself right. You got to get your soul clean, and you cannot clean your soul if you like the same sex. So that's the sec. That's the second thing. Um, that I think holds, you know, black women back from dating uh, bisexual men. The third thing is, which I touched on before we had technical difficulties, is that whole period um, where everyone was outing all the down low guys. Down low. Everyone was down low. Everyone was, people were writing books. People were going on talk shows. People were going on radio shows. There were interviews. There were all these black women saying that they contracted AIDS and HIV from your husband because your husband was sneaking out at night and having sex with men and then coming back to her. And now all of a sudden black women were staring at black men trying to figure out if they were on the down low. And any small thing like wearing a pink shirt, um, not playing sports or anything that they deem masculine, you obviously had to be gay or on the down low. And they were trying to run as far away as they could possibly run from that. And then Tyler Perry is putting out movies where Janet Jackson got AIDS from her husband. And it's just all these things that were happening in the black community that made it seem like dating a bisexual man or being gay was like the worst thing that you could possibly choose to be, even though it's not a choice. And you know what? I think where us as a community, we went wrong. Of course, you know, religion is a major part of, you know, how black people, how African Americans were brought up. But what we failed to do is we failed to listen and understand. When it came to to us boys, you know, growing up who had strong fathers or strong uncles – if you fail and scratch yourself, don't, don't you bet not start crying. It's automatic. Mm-hmm. Get up, man up, suck it up. So with that, we were taught to suppress our feelings, which mm-hmm. wasn't a good thing. So when it came to you know wanting to talk about this and talk about that, when it came to even mental illness, you know you can't feel some kind of way. You know, the the number one thing that was always said was pray on it. You yeah. know, not go seek counseling. It was pray on it. So yeah. we thought to hold our – that our feelings really didn't matter, and the only person that could fix what we had going on was God. But, look, God put resources out here. When most of these people pray, they pray for resources. God put resources that's why there are therapists out here. It's okay mm-hmm. to cry. It's okay to have feelings. It's okay to have emotions. So if we stopped doing that back then, let's just say we were able to change the course of the last 100 years in our culture. If mm-hmm. those were two things that, you know, we were able to change, a whole culture of people would have been different. There wouldn't be download people because you could honestly express how you feel without somebody having to judge you. You know, that that's why guys are out here down low. You know, even some women are out here, you know, down low. Of course, they don't call it that. Um, but they're out here doing these things in secret because everybody's associated homosexuality with shame and femininity. And those were things that that the guys are not ready for, you know, that they don't want to deal with because they feel like they have to 
live up to other people's expectations. And that's Absolutely. the other thing that we that we deal with. You know, I, I realize like throughout my life, you know, growing up in my parents' house, you do what your parents say. When you turn 18, you think you know everything. So really, you're learning yourself, but throughout your 20s, you're learning yourself based on what your parents taught you and what your parents want for you. Now, when I got into my 30s, I started to realize now I'm now I'm really living life because I'm living you're life living for on yourself. Yeah, exactly. You know, you've gotten out of that phase because now, you know, for me, my parents are not, you know, they're still my parents, but we're able to converse in a completely different way now. You know, so like I said, I've taught them things, and we're still learning things from each other, but I'm living life how I want to live it, and I appreciate them for understanding and respecting that. But, yeah, if we were able to be who we truly are, you know, then there wouldn't be shame. But what I also realize is people tend to vilify or, you know, turn somebody into the villain when they bring something to them that's out of their comfort zone. Yeah. So because I'm I'm a straight black woman or a straight black man and you come to me with, hey, mom, dad, friend, sister, brother, I'm gay and I don't understand anything about that, then that's, that's now a bad thing. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've had family. I never opened my mouth to tell these certain family members, you know, my sexual preference. But because I may have, you know, been a little snazzier of a dresser as opposed to the Jordans and the Jeans or, you know, something different in my conversation that they're not used to, now all of a sudden I'm this, you know, this gay cousin who they don't want their kids around, which is an unfortunate thing. And that goes back to what I said, because they have associated being gay to someone touching you. And because someone touched you, quote, unquote, that means you're going to touch their kids and turn their kids gay, too. But it goes back to lack of communication and understanding in our community that makes us, again, read the headline but not click on the article. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That is because you're, you're looking at me and you see that I'm gay, but that's just a headline. But you haven't actually sat down to talk to me, to get to know me, to find out that this is actually just who I am naturally. No one touched me, which means I'm not interested in your kids. I'm Uncle Q, right. and that's it. I'm Cousin Q, and that's it. I'm Cousin Q, and I like ladies. I'm Cousin Q, and I like men, period. Yeah. I think I really want us to understand that liking men does not mean that you like boys. And I don't understand how people equate men liking men to men liking boys because as a man, you like a woman. Does that mean that you like little girls too? How did how it make it make sense? How's that? Yeah. How does that make sense? It doesn't. It, it, it doesn't. But, you know, people come to their own conclusions based off of the things that they were taught. You know, we could have all been taught the exact same thing in class, but each and every one of us is going to take something different from what we saw. One of us may take everything in and apply it accordingly. Some of us may take the beginning half. Some of us may take the middle half. Some of us may take the end. You know, so from that, our perspectives are completely different in how we react and how we move on. So it just, I mean, it it just depends on how these people were were raised and the things that they were taught as to how they deal with some of the things that they've dealt with. Yeah, absolutely. I, I also think that, like, this is such a deep topic because black women are always, and I, I, I want to say some, because I don't like to lump everybody together, because I just put a post about lumping people together. A lot of black women are still dealing with the colorism um, in our community. There are a lot of women who are still trying to get over not feeling the best about themselves because they may not be what they feel society thinks is the ideal complexion. So then you add on homosexuality on top of that, and I think a lot of black women 
take on um, these things as a personal attack. So, um, you know, I was going to talk about, I'm actually recording a video right now. I do my Welcome to Creams World Wednesdays, and I I just watched a video yesterday, one of the uh, YouTube channels that that does, um, they talk about celebrities, things that are going on in the celebrity world. It's kind of like a gossip channel, but not really. I don't know what you call it. But anyway, they were talking about LeBron's son, Bronny, and he did a TikTok video. And in the video, it's like the little game that they play, and you post pictures of some girls, and you either say, mm-hmm or mm-mm. And mm-hmm. Um, they, somebody screenshot his video or downloaded his video, and he had a lot of light-skinned girls in his video, and I think he had, like, one or two um, uh, white girls. And this caused a huge uproar, and they posted on the shade room, which I, I don't follow the shade room. I, for my mental health, I don't follow the shade room, but they posted on the shade room, which made the video go viral. And a lot of people in the shade room were like, where's the dark-skinned girls? And the dark-skinned girls were like, well, I guess we don't count. Here it is again. Um, I think that because of that, there's a lot of insecurities in the black community when it comes to black women. And then you have transgender women, and then you, a lot of black women feel like that's also attack, an attack on their womanhood. Now there's somebody else we have to compete with. And then now, you know, you have a guy who's interested in you, and they're saying that they're bisexual. So now there's another thing that I have to compete with. And a lot of black women really feel like all men are gay. I've seen them say this. They feel like all men are gay. They're alone, and they have to do everything on their own. They're already a single mom. There's all this stuff in the world that's against them, and they just have to do it on their own. Um, I just feel like a lot of times black women feel like they have to be strong and on their own, and they felt like this for so long that they would rather not even risk just being in a relationship with someone who may not be 100% into them. They would rather be alone than to be in that type of relationship. Uh, So I think that having this type of conversation that we're having right now and also continuing the communication within our community um, just might make more of them be more open to dating someone like you and maybe seeing more men like you out there that are in a committed relationship with a woman and letting them know that there are other options out there besides, you know, Dre from the block who keeps coming over in the middle of the night, but he has five other baby mamas, but he tells you that you're special when you come over because he's masculine, he's heterosexual, but... He's not the best for you. Q, on the other hand, he loves you. He's been open. He's being honest. He shows he's showing you that he's a potential great father. He's a great provider. All these great things, but you choose not to choose him because he was honest enough to tell you that he was bisexual and he doesn't fit that Dre from the block stereotype of being hyper-masculine. Um, Thank you, and and not to cut you off, but the reason that you feel some kind of way about me not fitting that Dre from the block um, persona is because of what you fear you'll have to tell your friends and your family. Absolutely. And you feel like what you hear from them is, is going to drive your, you know, opinion instead of, you know, this is who I love, this is who, I, this is who loves me, and, yeah. you know, we're going to be together despite whatever it is you feel, you know. So these are definitely conversations that need to be had. And there was another conversation that um, I had with some friends. um, Well, it was pre-corona, so it was probably around the end of February, somewhere around that time. Um, We were having a conversation about black women and them always being labeled as angry black women. And, Mm -hmm. you know, truth be told, when it comes to the black women, the black woman, as they say, is the most underappreciated person. Mm-hmm. Um, the black woman has a lot on her shoulders in a lot of instances. So, you know, to, to sum it up, you know, the black woman's not angry. She's just, you know, she has to be strong for everything and everybody around her, you know, mm-hmm. so she, she hides her hurt in anger. Yes. 
if, if that makes sense. But, you know, that's another conversation. The eyes are hurt in what looks like anger. They aren't, black women aren't necessarily angry. It's just that we're tired and yeah. we're trying to, what it is is, you're trying to be strong and tired at the same time. <laughs> you want people yeah. to know, like, I am tired. I am tired. I am fed up, and I am tired. But we cannot show weakness. So it looks like anger. So what we're trying to be is strong, but we're tired. And when you mix yeah. trying to be stronger than we're than we should have to be, when you mix that with being tired, it looks like anger. We're not angry. We've never been angry. Are we tired? Yes. Are we fed up? Absolutely. Are we overlooked? Yes, we are. And you are trying your best to convey this message to people without looking weak. Because just like black men have to be hyper-masculine, the weird thing is is that people – expect black women to be just as strong as black men. Like, they want us to be feminine, curvy, bootylicious, you know, and all these other things, and be strong at the same time. And they want black men to be hyper-masculine. So you have strong women, hyper-masculine men, but no one is talking about their feelings because we're not allowed to talk about our feelings. You're not allowed to talk about your feelings because you're supposed to be hyper-masculine. I'm not allowed to talk about my feelings because I'm supposed to be strong. And if you talk about your feelings, you're gay and you're weak. If we talk about our feelings, we're angry. Yeah. That's true. And, so and you it's have so un- mix of people that you have. The men are tired, too. You guys are tired, too. But you have to be... You can't be, and we can't be. There are two people that aren't allowed to say, I am tired, trying to make a relationship work, when in actuality they need to do what you said you did earlier, which is find themselves, find who they are. It's not, don't be afraid, which that's another topic too, but focus on your mental health. Focus on your self-care. Find out what makes you happy. Find where your strength lies. And once you do that and you get yourself together, then you can go and meet that man who did the same thing, and you guys can come together and be the best couple that you can possibly be. And I'll say this too. We love using religion against each other when it's convenient because in the Bible it also says a man must leave his family and cleave unto his wife. And, it, and I'm paraphrasing. If you took that verse, like you were saying earlier, a woman is afraid to be with a man that is bisexual because of what her friends and family may say. But if you actually were going by the Bible, you shouldn't care what your friends and family say because once you found that person, it's supposed to be you, that person, building a new life outside of your family and friends because now you guys are one. And if you guys are right. one and you have that understanding no matter what someone comes to girl, you know, Q used to date such and such brother. Yes, yes, I'm aware. You okay with that? Yes, ma'am. I, I'm I'm 1,000% okay with that. We talked. This is my family. You tend to your family. We're good over here. If more people would treat their relationships like that, we would have stronger family units in our community. Yes. But our mental health, singular, alone, our mental health, just for ourselves, isn't together yet. We haven't gotten ourselves together in order to raise healthy, mentally healthy children so that mentally healthy children can grow up to be mentally healthy adults. That is our issue. We need to get it together. We need to get our mental health together so we can have our children be mentally healthy as well, and that's what our issue is. Until we do that, I think, and I hate to say this, I think that you might continue to have issues finding black women that feel strong enough and confident enough within themselves to say, you know what, you let's do this. Let's mm-hmm. do this. Yeah, and the truth is we have a world full of unheard and unappreciated people out here. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, it turns to shame, it turns to anger, and, and a lot of other things, you know. 
So yeah. it's like we need to get to the place where we once again, well, not once again, but we can fully accept each other for our differences because, yeah, I may be a man that likes, um, you know, men and women. You may be mm-hmm. a woman that likes only dark-skinned men, but I'm not judging you for that. You may be right. a man that, you know, likes only white women or something, you know, so everybody is doing something that somebody else may not like, but we all need to learn to accept each other for our own individuality. That's what makes me me. I don't like everything you like. That's why I'm not you. Yes. We should be okay with people's preferences, and people should be confident enough in their preference that they don't have to put someone that isn't their preference down in order to make people who are their preference feel better. That's yeah. something else that people have to work on, too, because there's nothing wrong with having a preference, but you don't have to put other people down in order for your preference to stand out. If you like black men, you like black men. You don't have to put other people down to let black men know how much you love them. Just let black men know you love them. If you like white yeah. ladies, like them. Like them, love them. Do whatever it is that you want to do with them. Don't put black women down and bring out insecurities that some black women that you've experienced may have in order to say that this is why you choose white women. Because you put down a whole section of women that don't fit that narrative down just to say you wanted to date a white lady. Just be honest. Just ask, yeah. wanted to date a white lady. Okay, cool. Thumbs up. Do you, bro? <laughs> um, but I... I I think that we're moving towards that because we do have a lot more black people that are willing to be comfortable within who they are and live their authentic lives. But like you said, you're 33. I don't know if there's anyone that is that age and older that's happy to be free to be to date whomever they want to date. It seems like it's the younger generation that is more open to accept people. I'm not saying that there aren't any young people that are prejudiced because they get it from their friends or their family, but I feel like this younger generation, they're okay with people being pansexual. They're okay with people being non-binary you know, transgender, whatever you choose to be, they're a lot more open and accepting and understanding and willing to date people for who they are than the older generation. I feel like the older generation is just stuck in their ways. So mm-hmm. what do you think, besides, of course, counseling and different things like that, like what do you think has to happen to the adult sector <laughs> of the world so that people that are more open to, to loving people for who they are. What do you think the adult sector has to do um, so that you and other people like you have someone to date for true love, mm-hmm. not just casually dating, but literally seriously dating and saying, I want this to be, I want I want this to work. I want this to be a serious relationship. Like, what do you think us as the older generation, like, what do we need to do? Well, what I definitely think we need to do is, like I said, appreciate everybody for who they are. Um, mm-hmm. Because if we can't do that, then, you know, we, we're going to be out here messed up. And then stop thinking about what other people will say about the decisions you've made in your life. Once you cross that threshold to adulthood, of course you have those few years where you're still, you know, for most people under their parents' wing. Once you get to the place where you're paying your own bills and you're living your own life, the only person you have to live that life for is yourself. The decisions you have that you make in life are yours alone because when you're sitting up in the bed at night or you're looking in the mirror, the only person that you really have to answer to, unless those decisions, you know, affect somebody physically or something like that, the only person that you have to answer to is yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and listen, you know, a lot of us, when we have conversations with people, we 
we we don't completely I don't listen to what you're saying. I hear you talking mm-hmm. so that I can respond, but yes. I'm not hearing you. I'm not listening to you to understand. I'm just Absolutely. listening to you and and you know, I may hear a couple words here and there, but for most people it's already boiling on the inside of them what they got to say, even though mm-hmm. they did not hear the complete story of what it is you just said. So, mm-hmm. you know, be there. You know, listen to people. Understand people. You know, it, it may not be something that, you know, that works for you, but making sure that the decisions you make are because are, are completely educated decisions. You now understand. You know, I may have a story that you don't understand, and if you, I mean, you may not understand it because, hell, you're not taking the time to listen. But, yeah, if people take the time to listen and understand people, then, you know, the world could be a, a better place. It could be a lot a lot easier on certain people. Absolutely. And I, um, going back to something you said earlier about uh, parents and your parents being willing to learn and your parents being open to understanding where you're coming from, I have to give my mom some props because I had a conversation with my mom um, I think it was last month, and um, I was explaining to her, because my mom's always been just super religious, and a lot of people, as people that are tuned in would know, is that um, a lot of people use religion to say that, to, to say that that's why homosexuality is wrong. And I was explaining to my mom, I said, a lot of times people think that homosexuality is a mental illness or people being transgender is a mental illness. I said, so mm-hmm. we take that for face value. I said, okay, Mom, let's just say being gay is a mental illness. She's like, okay. I said, there are a lot of people out here that are disabled and have a physical or mental disability, and they were born that way. I said, I know that there was a group of people who fought for a lot of the rights that um, disabled people have right now because they didn't have that before and they were ostracized. I said, but those people fought for the rights that disabled people have. I said, so let's just say being gay was a mental illness or mental or disability. I said, so what makes them any different than people who have disabilities what makes them different? They fought for their rights, and now you guys, I said, now we have handicapped parking. Now we have ramps. We have wheelchair-accessible buildings. If you, if your mm-hmm. building or your business isn't uh, handicap-acceptable, people can sue you. People can petition for you to make um, your bathroom wheelchair-accessible or handicap-accessible. They have hotel rooms specifically made for people who may be in a wheelchair and can't reach higher sinks. I said, we've made all of these um, adjustments for people that have disabilities. So if being gay is a disability, then why aren't we willing to make adjustments for them? Right. I said, if you are accepting of someone who's in a wheelchair or maybe walking with a walker or who may be, may have a, a physical deformity and you don't feel like they should be killed, then why aren't you guys, why don't you care? Why, do you, why, why are people okay with transgender women being killed? Are you going around shooting people in wheelchairs because you're in a wheelchair? No. And you would be outraged if you found out someone was going around shooting disabled people. So why are people okay with homosexuals being killed for their sexuality? Why are people okay with, um, or why are people up in arms with, um, the LGBT community asking for um, laws and ordinances to be made in their favor. And my mom sat there and she thought about it and she said, I never thought of it like that. I said, yeah, because it's just a disability. Why are you okay with these disabled people but not these disabled people? They don't do right. anything mm-hmm. to you. It's like these disabled people don't do anything to you. And my mom, she, she, I was very proud of her because she just sat there and she thought about it. She's like, I never thought of that. I'm like, yeah, so why would if God why would God send these disabled people to hell for disability that he gave them, but not send these disabled people to hell for disability that he gave them? Yeah, exactly. What'd you say? I said that is definitely something to think about. 
Yeah, I, I, I gave my mom, it completely changed her mind. I said, people that are gay do not have a disability, but if you want to think of it in that way, why don't they have the same rights? Why are people treating them this way? It doesn't make any sense. And sometimes you have to bring the conversation, for anybody that's listening to this and may have difficulties talking about this topic, you don't have to be gay or a part of that community to bring up these topics to your family. It's the same as black people asking for people of other races to be our allies. You don't have to be black or a person of color to have these conversations or discussions with your family to help them have an understanding. I'm having this, I had this conversation with my mom because I felt like it was the right thing to do. Um, And it helps her to understand sometimes you have to bring these topics up to people by by using examples that they can relate to or examples that make sense to them. Right. You you have to do it that way because, like you said, if they don't have an understanding or it's something that they've never had to deal with or all they've ever heard about this one topic was something negative, it's just like with black people. If you're watching TV and all you're hearing about is black-on-black crime and black people being ghetto and black people doing this and all the little, you know, things that the jigaboo-type things that you see us as, if that's all you see but someone comes in and has a genuine conversation with you, and changes your perspective on black people and people of color, that's all we're asking people to do when it comes to us. That's all the LGBT community is asking people to do when it comes to them, is just have an understanding and have these conversations with your family so that they can have a better understanding of what it means to be someone who's free and authentically themselves. Yes. Stop pushing your views off on other people and learn that people's feelings about who they are are valid. You know, it's, it's not simple, but it is just that simple. Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, I really, really appreciate having this conversation with you. I know that we weren't able to touch on every single part of this topic because this is a very heavy topic, but hopefully people took away something that made them think different, something that made them um, want to sit down with their family, whether you're a part of the LGBT community or not. I feel like we're all a part of the same community. I really wish that we would just stop separating ourselves. Like I said, for me, I I have never been someone that was afraid of someone like, oh, I think that you're gay. It's like, like you said, being gay seems like a negative thing, a taboo thing. Um, I'm not gay, but if someone thought I was, it's not the end of the world. So what? Who cares? You know? Who cares? Mm-hmm. I, there's worse things that I could think of that I wouldn't want you to think that I am than me liking the same sex or you having problems with who I love. Um, so hopefully people take away, uh, first of all, being okay with going to see a therapist so that you can get mentally healthy. That's the first thing. Hopefully people take away not being afraid to communicate with one another. And the third thing I hope they take away from this is not being afraid to um, be authentically who they are on the inside. That's what I'm yes. hoping. So what are some things that you're hoping that people have taken away or will take away from this conversation? Um, what I, I hope that people take away is, Understanding that there are more people out here than you know that are that are just like you, and it's okay to be who you are. Um, being unapologetically you is something that you know I want people to be, and also understand that there is power in your story. Now, mm-hmm. you know today I've had the opportunity to share just a brief part of my 33 years, but if that brief part of my 33 years that I've shared allows somebody else to get to a place where they're comfortable enough to share, you know, a part of their story, you know, mm-hmm. then then I've done something good. And, you know, whatever you experience in life, other people are experiencing it as well, whether or not you know it. Um, but, yeah, sometimes you have to share that story in order to inspire somebody else. Um, but, yeah, just, just be you and, and walk in love. 
you know, and understanding more. And, you know, life would be a little a little, little easier for us all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I also think you sharing your story and letting people know that this is who you are and no one touched you, I think the more stories we hear like yours can help prove to people that people are born like this. <laughs> like, yeah. This isn't something that happened to me. This is something that lived through me. I, I just this is just who you are. This is who you, I, I, I and I'm I just want to make that a point too. I hope people take away from the story that no one touched you, no one convinced you that, that, that this is what you should be. This is just who you are and who you who you've always been. And yeah. you are just confident in letting the world know this is what I like. This is who I am, and I'm okay with that. Right, right. Uh, yes, yes, it is. I appreciate you, and I look forward to continuing this conversation. Same here. Thank you so much for being on Conversations with Cream. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and thank you again for sharing your story and being transparent. Thank you. Yes, I'll talk to you soon.